0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome. So good to see you all today. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with the topic spiritual authority. It's a very deep message. Amen. So we've been uh, dealing primarily with our walk as believers, how we are set against this vast array of spiritual hosts of demonic forces that intends to derail us, that intends to turn us against God. The way they do that is by us putting our reliance not in God, but in a system called the world. These demonic spirits want you to believe that you are your own God and that you do not need God. And uh, we have seen that they are organized they are not demons of chaos they bring chaos but they themselves are very organized jesus says about them that a kingdom divided against itself will not stand and he says that satan cannot cast out satan by the hand of satan or by the means of wicked things if something like that happens it is to further its own purpose. The, the Pharisees came to him and, and they said that he casts out devils by Beelzebub. His response was that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And it's profound that he would use the word kingdom. means that there is a king over that domain. But that king does not have a throne. The throne of that king is upon the hearts of the proud. That's his throne that he wants to create in the earth. And he sits upon the hearts of the people. And so these demonic spirits are very organized. There are multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes of them. Because when God created the angelic, before there was any sin, he created enough. He created more than enough. The angelic hosts cannot procreate because they do not have the procreation power of God locked up in them. It means they don't have the image and likeness of God. They have a divine image, but it is not the image that we have of God. It's not the likeness that we have of God. They are supernatural beings. They are powerful beings. And if they were not restrained by certain principles that God placed in the earth, they would destroy mankind at the wink of an eye. They are powerful beings, beings that we must not call out, beings that we must not test. These beings are so superior in knowledge and in power that if you were to compare the man with him, we would... We would not come close to them, but they are only limited and restrained by certain principles that God placed in the earth. One of these strong angelic hosts, a principality, and we said principalities are those high-ranking demonic spirits that, that rules over countries, over nations, because they... Really, a principality is an area of rule. If it is vacant, that area, a prince will come, a demonic prince, and occupy the vacant area that is supposed to be occupied by the sons of God. When he comes to occupy that vacant area of rule, he brings his own Character, He brings his own, if I can use the word, personality over that area, and it comes in the form of systems and cultures. When you look at the Arab world, there is a principality that enforces certain cultural principles over that area, so that people that are born into such a country, into such a nation, automatically comes under the rule of that principality. South Africa has its own principality, and one of its attributes is the attribute of racism. You can say that racism has been dealt with in 1991, but you still see the effects today. Racism, prejudice, all of these things are attributes of a principality. One of these powerful principalities held back The great angel Gabriel in his way towards Daniel, in bringing Daniel understanding of the vision. Now Gabriel is not a warfaring angel. There are other angels that does that. Uh, Angels like Michael and his tribe and his clan, they do that. And it does not mean that when Gabriel was held back for 21 years, earth days. To him it might have been 21 minutes, but there's no time in that realm. But in our time it's 21 earth days. does not mean that Gabriel is a powerless angel. Gabriel excels in other matters. Gabriel excels in matters of wisdom, in bringing understanding, in bringing knowledge, God has not created him to fight. God has created other beings to fight. And that's why in the book of Daniel, it, it says there that Michael, the great warfaring prince, the strong one, the one that has the face of an ox, that he is as strong as a bull. He came and he brought release to this great angel Gabriel. And when Gabriel returned, he says, when I return." First, he said that the prince of Persia kept me. Or I was held captive by the prince of Persia. These are important things for you to understand. Because sometimes we are being held captive by princes of darkness. And we we cannot just think about our lives as believers, as only church and only singing. And only, you know, Doing church things. No, there is a greater reality out there. And the reason that we are teaching about this is in all you're getting, get understanding. Amen, saints. And I believe that we have journeyed so far together in this walk with the Lord that we can now, you know, speak in these deep matters, in these deep voids. And bring about the hidden truths. And so he said to Daniel, When I go back, the prince of Greece will also come. Now the prince of Persia that held uh, Gabriel captive. At that moment, Persia took over Babylon. The Persians came to invade Babylon. So the prince of Babylon was no longer necessary. And he had to submit now, To the prince of Persia. But Gabriel already saw the future. And he said, The prince of Persia will not always exercise rule because another prince will come. It is the prince of Greece. And so, this is the great power, the great insight, and wisdom, and foreknowledge of Gabriel. Gabriel and his clan, and his type of angels will always come to minister to the man. When he comes, you won't even recognize him because he has the face of a man. Did you see that picture that was up there when Matthew sang? Right in front, you saw these angels. One had the face of an ox, face of a man, face of a lion, and the face of an eagle. If you were to see some of the angels that God created, your mind would not be able to fathom and understand The purposes of God in such creations. But we are familiar with the angels that looks like Gabriel. Because they look like a man. It is so that the message might not be lost. When they bring the message, you see the man. The Bible says, do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some of you might have entertained angels. You might not even know that it is an angel. God might send a man into your life. And I know some of you must have experienced this. You'll say, out of the blue, someone just came. I don't know where they came from. This is how God works. You should have been in an accident. But just at that moment, something happened. God sent angels. Angels are a reality. And they are intervening in our lives. They are ministering for us. They are keeping us out of harm's way. Some of us should have been dead, but if it was not for the angels of God. God does not personally come. God has representatives that works on his behalf. They know the very heart of God. They know the very mind of God. They know how God feels about you, and that is why they will come to surround you. They will cover you with their wings. The Bible speaks about how God will cover you with his wings. It's not that God has wings. He uses his angels to cover you, to protect you, and to keep you. It says of God that he is the glory in our midst and a fire that surrounds us. The fire of God that surrounds us speaks about these burning ones, these angels, these sentinels and watchmen. And we must be very aware of them. And we must be very careful in how we conduct our lifestyles. Because in, in some of our fellowships, they do not want to hear how we speak about our brother. And they would remove ourselves from that fellowship. And the way we act, the things that we watch on television and on our laptops, must be, we must be so aware that we don't offend them by the lifestyles we live. But I can guarantee you that they are there. They are ready to perform God's bidding. They are ready to prosper you. They are ready to bring breakthroughs of many kinds, healings, They are ready to bring prosperity. All of them, they are waiting to hear the word of the Lord from your mouth. They are your attendants. Just like they are these mighty angelic beings, they are also demonic spirits. That wants to withhold the goodness of the Lord from you. And so some of the principles that we've established in Ephesians chapter 6 was, there are different sections in their chapter, but it all deals with one topic, and it's the topic of spiritual authority. Amen? Are you still with me, saints? Yes. Listen attentively. Remember verse 1 said, children, obey your parents in the Lord. I thought about it. It's not spiritual parents. It's your parents in the Lord. Because when you relate to it, I know there are other translations that say spiritual parents. But how is it spiritual? No, it's your parents in the Lord. It's your parents, it's more than just spiritual things. Do you want to buy a car? You come, uh, parents in the Lord, come with me, I want to show you this car. What's the spirituality about it? You understand what I'm saying there are, It is not just regarding spiritual matters, but we've established, and we spoke at length about this, we've established that God places oversight, and we call it spiritual oversight. Amen? And then beyond that, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says it this way, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Listen to this, and you must remember it for later. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be a benefit for you. Amen? So what do they do? They watch over your souls because they must give an account to God. The second thing we've established was In verse 2, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And with honoring your father and mother, it speaks about relationships. So the first thing is to get your position right. Know who is your pastor. Don't be one foot here, one foot there. No, this is my pastor. These are my spiritual parents. I'm going to submit to what they speak, to what they say. I'm going to be doers of the word that they bring. Then that settles it. I have to say that, saints, because people have got lots of pastors. Pastor Oral is your pastor. T.D. Jakes is your pastor. So and so is your pastor. (laughs) You you have many voices that speaks to you, and so you are unstable in all your ways. You need one voice to speak to you. Normally, such messages you get a guest speaker to come and say that, but I'm beyond that now. Honor your father and mother, your natural people, natural relationships. And it's not just your father and mother, but everything that comes out of them. Whether it's a step-brother, step a stepsister, everything. You make sure that relationships there are sorted out. Before you go and rebuke demons, cast out demons. If relationships are not sorted out, if you have no spiritual oversight, you stay away from those things. You will hurt yourself. You don't meddle in in matters like that if the first two things, those are the first things. It's things that you can do yourself. Sort them out in your life. Sort out if there's problems with whatever relationship issues you have. You just release yourself from those things. I know some people are terrible. Some brothers and sisters are are wicked, evil. It's like they are the devil themselves. But you forgive them. You get it off of and out of you. You don't walk around with grudges. You don't walk around with unforgiveness and make yourself sick. No, get it out of you. Some people walk around with grudges and unforgiveness for 10 years. No, I will wait until they come to me You don't greet them. You don't want to be in the same room with them. You have to break that nonsense over your life. It is a curse and the enemy wants to keep you bound. You have to release it, saints of God, so that you can live in the newness of life. Hallelujah. You see how all of these things is a precursor to us overcoming the devil. Because we must overcome it. Yes, Jesus overcame him by the cross, but we too have our own fight. We have our own wrestle against these demonic gods. And the, the, the reason Jesus overcame him is so that we might not fight against him on that level, on that higher dimensional level, but through our lifestyles. Amen? And so today I want to speak about Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. So here are some of the other principles. He says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You see, saints, when we pray, there are different kinds of prayer. He says, pray always. When when must we pray? Always. always. Prayer is a prerequisite in the life of the believer. We don't just pray at church. We don't just pray when we come together, but we pray always. How do we pray? With all types and kinds of prayers. There are prayers that you murmur. There are prayers that's in your heart. There is Yielding prayers. There's prayers that you hope for. There are prayers that you must actually release from your mouth. There are uh, very passionate and fervent prayers. Bible speaks of Jesus. How he prayed with loud cries. Loud cries. Because he knew that the situation concerning the redemption of the people were desperate. When you are desperate. You will pray with loud prayers, with loud cries. You will not ask people on Facebook to pray for you. But I think people are not desperate enough. They are not desperate enough. I know many times we see young men say, I need a job, pray for me. Men, they will come to church early. They're there in the prayer meeting because they have nothing. They only have one pair of techies, one pair of jeans. They don't want to be seen out there in the world with the same clothes over and over every day. They are desperate and they are in the house of the Lord. The moment God blesses them, it's the moment you don't see them again. And that is why it is good that God would withhold things from men like that. Because He knows that they will not you won't see them anymore. They want to consume the blessing of God upon their own lusts, upon their own obsessions. But when there's a desperation in your heart, a desperation leads you to do desperate things. It's like I don't have time to play. There might not be a tomorrow. Amen, saints? And so I'm speaking about these types of prayers that we pray. Sometimes we don't need those soft prayers. Sometimes we need loud prayers. Sometimes we don't need loud prayers. Sometimes we need soft prayers. When we speak to the Lord, we speak to Him as the lover of our souls. The one that we are in love with. We don't come and shout Him. But when we address certain things, we have to speak loud and address it. In the name of Jesus, I command the sickness to bow. Right now. Don't say sickness go please. No, you take authority over it. Isn't it? You must know who you are in the Lord. You must know your spiritual authority. Spiritual authority is not about who is on stage. Who are the leaders in the church. Who are the ones that says do this and do that. No, that's nothing to do with spiritual authority. Spiritual authority is about your position in the Lord and how you exercise the rights and privileges of the kingdom of God in your own life. Whether you are 10 years old, whether you are 100 years old, God has given you a measure of that authority in your life. I want the young people to know that even you, young person, have a measure of authority in your life at your age. Amen? You too can rebuke demons. You too can resist things. You too can say no to vices and evil and wicked things in your life. You too can stop all evil appearances that comes to your eyes and comes to your mind. You can say no, this is not for me. And you can live a holy life. You can live a godly and upright and fearful life unto the Lord. Yes, you can. You don't have to be like everybody else in the world. If the masses does it, you don't have to do it. Come on, we need someone to be different. And it starts with our young people. If everybody loves the swearing music, you don't have to love it and like it to be in the in crowd. You say, no, this is not for me. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Let God use you young people while you are young. Pastor Liesel spoke on Friday about King Josiah that was eight years old when he began to reign. As a king, as a king, you have to know that you are kings in this life through Christ Jesus. You have to know that you are a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. When people think about you and look at you, they must say peculiar. We can't figure him out. Mystery. There's secrets about him. They must not say, ah, same like anyone else. Common. Mediocre. Afgewater. No, they must say this one is different. Pure, upright, integrity. Hallelujah. You know how rare it is to find people like that? I remember many years ago, I felt so unaccomplished as a young person. I said, Lord, I can't take this. Feels like a condemnation upon me. I, I've got to be different. And I was thinking about all my peers and friends, some of them accomplished. I said, Lord, I've got to be different. I don't like this. It's like a bland taste in my mouth, like this coffee now. It's it's not warm anymore. It's lukewarm. <laughs> so it's like it's like that. I can't, I can't have this life, Lord. And the Lord said to me, there are not many godly men. There are not many that's holy. There are not many that's bold for the kingdom. There are not many that praise. There's work for you to be done. You want to be different? You can be different. You know, people that blends in are the people that blends out very quickly. When they die, we forget about you the next week. We just come to your funeral that Saturday to eat the mutton curry. But the next week, we have forgotten about you. You cannot die like that, saints. Your life cannot be spent useless like that. You must make your legacy, your name, live on unto the next, and unto the next, and unto the next generation. And the only way that you can do that is not by really who you are. In your own strength. But who you are in what God has ordained you to be. God has a purpose for your life. That purpose f- for your life is set in the heart of God. Not set in stone. It is set in God's heart. You have to find your purpose. Be desperate about it. And once you find it, work at it with all your might. Do You know purpose will call you to work without pay. But when you do it, when you find it, there's so much satisfaction in you. And it's like, I've, I've got all the pay I need because this is the feeling I want, a feeling of fulfillment, a feeling of joy. I remember Natasha when she wanted to be a fire, they call it a fire person now, a fireman in those days. She worked for years with no pay, and, and we thought she was crazy. She woke up every morning early, came back home late because it is something that was put in her heart. It's something that God designed for her before the foundations of the world. Many lives she saved. I cannot look at blood, but she it, it's something that excites her it's because it's built into her. What has God built into you? What are those burning desires? What are those things that causes your heart to jump, to leap? When you were born, God placed it there. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Every hair on your head is numbered. Every hair. Even those that don't have, every hair is numbered. (laughs) Hallelujah. I hope there's a provocation in your heart. Come on, young people, be different. Come on, rise up higher. Yes, it's hard work. It's definitely hard work. Some of you, it'll take you 10 years, 30 years to prepare for the one moment. The guy that breaks the record in 10 seconds, in 9 seconds, it's not that 9 seconds. It's months of preparation. Are you willing to go through the pain? Of being great. Greatness does not come by chance. But greatness comes through pain. That's how you were born. You were born through pain. Some of us shy away from pain. We think that the devil has got us. But God sometimes allows the pain to come. Let me say it again. God allows pain to come in your life. He wants to squeeze out the good. He wants to squeeze out the strength in you. Wants to squeeze out the best in you. Don't give up while you are in the middle of being birthed through the, the channels of God. Hallelujah. What are these things that the Bible speaks about? The belt of truth. And we spoke a little bit of, about that in the first session. But your loins being girt about with truth speaks about readiness for service speaks about endeavor, speaks about effort. When you've got the belt of truth around your waist, it shows that you are now ready to do something. You are now ready for effort. Some of us, we are so lazy, we can't even sweep the yard. But God has built this thing in us, you have to know it. Don't let your mind lie to you. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, this is how I am. No, you are naturally a hard worker, naturally, because God made you like that. God is a worker himself. Jesus said said to us, work while it is day, and he speaks about how he must work, and so it is in you to work as well. It is in you to naturally tidy up things. That's the truth that we love. Truth speaks about, it speaks about our strength. The Lord speak, speaks to Jacob and he says, kings will come out of your loins. The loin speaks about the seat and the center of procreation. Every one of us here can create something because our father is a creator. Everyone has got a unique thing to create. Some of us creates atmospheres, like Wix created an atmosphere. And people were infused and injected with joy. Some of us can create things with our hands. We must not underestimate who we are, saints of God. Don't un- underestimate just your presence. You, by you just arriving, being there, you come to create something special in the lives of people. I know it. I know when I see people, they bless me. Just, just them being there, it blesses me. So don't think that you are insignificant. Don't let that devil lie to you. Insignificant, no one knows you, that, that you are there. When the church is over, no one will even greet you and ask you how you're doing. That's a lie of the devil. It's one of his schemes, his tricks. No, you are special, you are important. I know people don't say that a lot, but you have to believe it. Truth stands against falsehoods. Stands against all the tricks of the enemy. Truth because the the thing that is true is the standard. The thing that is true is the barometer. It's the benchmark. Everything else aspires and strives to get to the benchmark. How about you being the benchmark? How about you being the embodiment of truth? How about you when people think about you, say, I want to be like him? How about you where God has placed you? How about you being the number one? Why don't you be the leader amongst your friends? Why don't you be the one that says no, yes, now, later? Why don't you make up the decisions? the benchmark. You become the truth. Jesus says of himself, I am the way, the truth. Truth is a person. Amen? And if he's a person, then you can be the truth. Hallelujah. You'll see people come to ask you, what do you say about it? Didn't they do that with Jesus? What do you say about this thing? Moses said we must do this, but what do you say? They came Not knowing that they came to the standard. They came to the truth. And Jesus would say, Moses said that, but I say unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you. You see, he now comes and sets a higher standard. He raises the bar. Moses says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Even though you don't have two front teeth but a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Pray for those who use you. Matters of the heart. He deals with things that are deep-rooted. He doesn't deal just with the outward things, but with the deep-rooted things. Of the Messiah, it is said, righteousness shall be the girdle of his waist, and faithfulness the girdle of his loins. He is the truth. But his girdle is righteousness and faithfulness. That's why Revelation says he is the faithful witness. Faithfulness is a wonderful virtue, saints. People who has a loose girdle or who does not have a, a belt is people that has a helplessness in their personal lives. It's like when a, when a, when a boy is circumcised. He must wear a dress because he's helpless. But do you know, there are, there are men that are boys that looks like they have been circumcised yesterday. They are, they are useless, good for nothing. You don't even touch them, then they cry. No, God wants you to put the girdle on. Service, readiness, endeavor, make an effort. Make an effort in whatever thing you are facing. To change that situation. Even it will cost you blood. You must strive and fight against those things. An effort. Let me quickly move here. The breastplate of righteousness. It's a breastplate because it guards the heart. The breastplate. The priest used to walk to wear a breastplate. It had four rows. With three stones in it. Twelve stones in the breastplate of the priest. Precious stones. And on each stone there was written the name of each tribe. Each of the twelve sons of Jacob. And the, they were not allowed to remove the breastplate from the ephod. They were not allowed to. Because when the glory of God shone on the breastplate. It would bring a kaleidoscope of colors in that dark place where the Holy of Holies was, that the light of God upon the breastplate of the high priest would uh, replicate the light and glory right in the presence of God. That breastplate upon the priest reminded him of his representation of God in the earth, of representative character, representative character. Don't take off your breastplate. Don't live a life outside of righteousness, of what is right. What is righteousness? Righteousness is something that God credited to you, He imputed it to you. It's like He downloaded it into your system so that you now fully satisfy the demands of the law. The law has no hold on you, even if you fail it. Outside, but the law is satisfied because there's a righteousness in you which is not your own, but it is of God. The righteousness of Christ. You must think about your how you must guard your heart, saints. What does the scripture say? Guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. You know, you can you can put things in your heart and keep silent and keep it there. For years, but that one day, that one day, everything will come out. It's like a, a pimple or a boil. You leave it and you just scratch around it all the time. That thing keeps growing and growing. But one day when you just touch something, that everything comes out. All the mess, all the ugly stuff comes out of it. No, we must guard our hearts. How do we guard our hearts? We constantly speak to someone. We have coaches and mentors and pastors and friends that we release this poison and toxins from. Amen? Hallelujah. The gospel of peace (laughs) speaks about the, the, the shoes for the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is the Hebrew word shalom. And it is the Hebrew pictures of teeth, a staff, uh, a nail, and water. Teeth speaks about destruction. The staff speaks about order. The nail speaks about establishing or fixing something. The water speaks about trouble, chaos. And shalom speaks means to destroy the order that establishes disorder this, this is the gospel that we must preach not just preach the gospel that we must become the gospel of shalom it is a gospel that brings order where there is chaos it it does not just bring order it destroys chaos if there's chaos in your home it must be utterly Uprooted and destroyed and cast out. You do not give up until your last breath, until that chaos leaves your home, until that chaos and disorder leaves your family, your loved ones. You pray till your last breath. Hallelujah. To destroy the order that establishes disorder. Why is it the shoe? Why is it the your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace because the heel is the first part of your body that touches the earth when you walk. You don't walk like this on your toes. If you walk on your toes, you come as a thief. A thief walks on his toes. But the one that rules, the heel, the heel touches the earth first. You walk with confidence. Your shoulders is pushed back and your chest out because you walk as a ruler. You remember what the Lord said to the serpent? He said about the seed of the woman that would come. He said, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. The heel is a very important part in a man's anatomy. If your ankle is swollen or if you broke your ankle, it changes the way you walk. And you do not walk like a ruler anymore. Someone who limp is someone that's weakly. Someone that has trouble. Someone that had an accident. It is someone that you rather not ask him to change the light bulb. You rather not ask him to be of service. To endeavor. To put an effort in. You rather give him the chair and say sit down. Because you are no good. Many of us still, we are limping like that. Our heels have been bitten, but we cannot move on. It's like he keeps hold of your heel. That is why Jacob, when he was born with his twin brother Esau, he grabbed the heel. Didn't he grab the hand or any other part? He grabbed the heel. What does the heel speak about? It speaks about restriction. Restriction of movement. And when you think about this in a spiritual sense, you can see how maybe someone or something has grabbed a hold of your heel. I say someone because normally it's relationship things. They got your heel. You can't move forward in life. Maybe it's not someone. Maybe it is a situation, an issue. Maybe it's you yourself. You got your heel stuck in a trap. you can't get out of it. And you stay in that place for months and for years. And you can't move forward. Sometimes the heel is trapped in the heart of someone else. And you can't move forward. Psalm 41 verse 9. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. The heel can also be used to strike someone, to push him down while he's still there, push him down. He ate my bread, but has lifted up his heel against me. Where is your heel? Where are you limited? It speaks about the limitations in our lives. Where are you held back or held captive? Where are you deprived from greater things in the Lord, in life, greater things in life in general? That's why they use those bear traps, terrible things for men to use against animals to catch them unaware. They can't see the trap, but when they step into it, the pain is unbearable. You just get some cruel men upon the face of the earth. There must be movement in our lives, saints. Remember the two that were on the road to Emmaus. When Jesus rose that day from the dead, he appeared to two men whose heels was touching the earth. The other 11 disciples sat in the upper room. They loved the experience of the upper room. They wanted to keep that experience, and they did not want to move forward in life. God said to Moses, now take the rod and go speak to the rock. No, Moses held on to the past movements of God, to the past miracles. We want to sing the old songs. We want to go and dance. No, God said, take it, but now go and speak. There's movement in the things of God. God does not want you to stay stagnant where you are. You have to keep on reading the word. You have to keep on hearing the word. Amen? Movement. There must be movement in your life. I want to challenge you today. Wherever you find yourself, seek to move. Seek to improve. Seek to become better. Seek to look better. Seek to become fitter, healthier. Lose that excess weight upon your life, become healthier, eat healthier, leave the sugar, become better, so that when you come to the end of your life, you would have seen what it looked like to be the best you. There are not a lot of people that sees that. A lot of people just sees the halfway person. They just see that bland, mediocre, but you be determined to be the best you that you can be. Amen? I hope I'm speaking to someone today, saints. The shield of faith. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by, and hearing by, the word of God. The shield of faith, it speaks about how it quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. But this is the faith, this is the faith that that this implies. It is that, that comes by hearing. It is important, saints, that you come under the proceeding word of the Lord as often as possible. This thing just polishes your shield. How does it work in real life? Remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? He lifted up the shield of faith. He did not attack, he lifted up and he says, But it is written. It is written. What will you say when temptation comes? When you are accused? What is your it is written reference? We must always have it is written reference. That is why you sitting under the word like this does something to you internally. Don't stay away out of God's presence. Don't stay away from the speaking of God. In due season, The seed that was sown in you will reap a reward. It will grow slowly. Slowly, God comes and pours more water. Slowly, something is growing in you. Something is being awakened in you. And I know, sometimes the word can provoke us, unsettle us, but it is for your good, for your benefit. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus always quoted the word. There must be a continuous growing of the word. An increasing of grace in your life concerning the word of the Lord. Never come to the place where you say, I've heard it all before. or I know it. There's always something in the word. Sometimes God speaks beyond the word. How many of you have experienced that before? Where the word goes out, but okay, I've heard this before. But you, you hear more. God opens up the deep recesses of your hearing. And he says to you, listen to this. Take note of this. Amen. He says, so that you might quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Now, interesting, it's not arrows. It's darts. No, the scripture says, like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior, so are the children of one's youth. No, here he speaks about darts. A dart is something that you blow out of a pipe from the mouth. It speaks about how people will blow darts at you to just put you off. The dart just puts you off. It doesn't destroy you. It doesn't kill you, but it just slows your walk. It's like the darts that they shoot at animals to tranquilize them. And so the devil will just blow darts at you to tranquilize you. How many of you had a tooth extracted before? They put the tranquilizer in there. And your mommy doesn't sound like mommy anymore with that tranquilized jaw. Sounds like honey. <laughs> honey. And so do not let the enemy tranquilize your mouth. Do not let him blow darts at you. You lift up the shield of it. It is written. Sometimes you just need to stand in front of the mirror and speak to yourself and say, It is written of you. Liesl, it is written of you that you are the head and not the tail. It is written of you that you will succeed, that God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings. It is written. You know, when you make a transaction, something must be written down. Amen? And so we must also have the written code, the word of God in our hearts and in our mouths. We're coming to to the end, saints. We're almost done the helmet of salvation. I want to end this message with this very important subject right here. And I know I'll just scratch the surface. He says, put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. He connects the two, the helmet and salvation and the sword of the Spirit. doesn't separate the two because it is the only thing that can deal with The thing that's under the helmet, that brings salvation to the thing under the helmet, is the sword of the Spirit. Strange. We thought that the sword of the Spirit is used to destroy the enemy. No, the sword of the Spirit is for you. You need a sword in your life. The sword is not to destroy the enemy. You need the sword. Because it is connected to the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Luke 10 verse 27. And he, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. There's a lot of things said there about how you must love the Lord your God. But it basically speaks about how you have a soul. And your soul has these three parts in it. The soul is the human side, if I can call it that. It's got a heart, a mind, and strength. Your spirit, man, too, your spirit is that eternal part, the God part. So you have the human part and you have the God part. Your spirit man also have a heart, a mind, and a strength. The soul and the spirit fit so perfectly together that sometimes it is construed as the same thing, but they are not. I will show you now. The soul is prone to the world, but the spirit is prone to spiritual things. First, let's deal with what the heart is. It's the Greek word cardia, cardiologist. It is the place of passions and desires, it's a place of feelings, appetites. If your body is hungry, it will appeal to your soul. Your body will tell your soul, chicken. And it's just like, I can't get that chicken out of my mind. It's like, Pastor now looks like a chicken. Your body tells your soul, chicken. And it is that place where passions, desires, and appetites are being developed. Your heart is the center of your character. Your heart is the center of your character. The heart. You have a heart to the soul and a heart to the spirit. What is the mind? The scripture speaks about the mind of God. So God is spirit, God has a mind too. If God has a mind, then your spirit has a mind. It's the Greek word, dianoia. The place of logic, reason, and understanding. Logic, reason, and understanding is not evil. I think sometimes we don't use it too often. The child is sick, you just pray, you see it's not Getting better, pray, pray, he's not getting better. No logic says, take him to the doctor. Give him a grandpa or do something, rub him out. It's like we have forgotten about reason. We have forgotten about being logical. God plays logical in us. But the spirit's mind wants to inform the mind of the soul. And I'll show you now how it all fits together. The helmet of salvation. Everything that happens here. <laughs> the mind. Then the strength. It's the word iscus. And it perfectly speaks about power and might. Not just power, but power and might. It speaks about your will. That's why you hear willpower. Hey, he's got willpower. He can endure. He does not yield easily. does not give up easily. That's the place there, strength. It's not strength of body, but strength of mind. The place where the fight or flight decisions conclude. It finds its place in the iscus. So the soul of man and the spirit of man has got a heart, a mind, and a strength. And so there are these three different compartments or designs or setups in the soul and in the spirit. And it is important what we feed them with. The heart, mind, and strength of the soul responds to what it sees. That part of the spirit responds to what it does not see. That's why you go to church. You respond to what you don't see. The soul is stimulated by the world. The spirit is stimulated by the word. God has set up this tripart man, this tripart unit, spirit, soul, and body. He set it up to be informed by his spirit. That's why the, the Bible says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. That's the first place to be led by the Spirit. Let me just read 1 Thessalonians 5:23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And make your whole spirit, what? Your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. When he uses the word whole, he's saying to us there are composites to these things. Amen. The composite of the body has even greater detail. The body has composites. The soul has composites. And the spirit has composites. I'm setting you up for next week's message, saints. So that you understand certain things in your life. Amen? Amen. Now the spirit of God is compatible not with our souls. But with our spirit beings. Our spirit receives the things of the spirit easily. But when we try to receive eternal things the things of the spirit through the soul or even through a cell phone, things will go off. (laughs) You see how you have to quickly navigate. When you receive spiritual things through the mind and through the the mind of the soul, through logic, you will begin to see things like, uh, just say, discipline as control. You must interpret things because you always want to use reason and logic with spiritual matters, man. I, I tell you, I know some intellectual guys that loves the Lord and that studies the Word. They are using too much logic with spiritual matters, and they have become off. They are, you know what I mean? It's like bread that's stale now. You cannot touch the transcendent part in me. Amen. So spiritual things must not be filtered and received through the mind. Because the mind wants to save itself. The mind of the soul has the default setting of the orphan. The orphan has no father. The orphan has no leader. The orphan has no one to tell him what to do. The orphan has no one to go and get advice from. The orphan has no one to tell him or her their pains and their hurts and their shortfalls. Often thinks that he is good alone. We spoke on on Lent about that. His life is made up of the things that he possesses. But we need someone in our lives. Amen. First Peter 1 verse 9 says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. The salvation of what? Your soul. Your soul needs to be saved. Bible also said, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world but lose his what? Soul. The soul is where the problem lies. The soul is where your problems lie. And if you, if you just look around your soul and just forget about it, your problems will persist. Your issues with people and life will continue if you don't come and face things and the issues that are in your soul. Lastly, Romans 12 verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. What is the transformation that takes place? It's like the, they Transformers. You, It's a car, then suddenly... G- g- It is a robot. And so our transformation actually happens like that. It's a very pedantic example, but our transformation happens. When we are not conformed to the world, which the soul is prone to. The soul is prone to be stimulated by the world. But our transformation comes through the word of God, through the renewing of our minds. When we educate our minds with God's word. You know, I've said all of these things just to tell you to make the word your first place, your first priority. All of these things just in the message. But the detail to it, the detail of this message is so that you can have understanding. We must be transformed. We must be rebooted back. Reboot. Sometimes your your computer say, reboot me. Because in the rebooting of the computer, new things are uploaded to deal with viruses that will try to harm the hard drive of the computer. So when you are rebooted into that spiritual reality of the person who you really are, What actually happens is that the things that you see does not matter anymore compared to the things that you know. The things that you see does not compare to the things that you know. Let's all stand. Amen.